Welcome to Women Waken, a podcast that helps you heal spiritually from trauma in relationships, childhood, and early life conditioning to shift from a place of codependency to a state of divine feminine love, acceptance, harmony, and abundance. On Women Waken, we begin the journey to waken from the illusion of needing to prove our worth into the divine experience of knowing our worth. I'm your host, Whitney Walker. I'm a licensed mental health therapist, and I specialize in addiction, eating disorders, trauma, and spirituality. I'm also a fellow human being who has faced most of the issues that I explore on this show. On today's guest episode, I welcome the very well-traveled Kim Anderson. Kim is the creator and host of the Design Her Travel podcast, which I had the pleasure of being a guest on, has traveled to 40 countries and is a big advocate of really living a brave life, breaking through limiting beliefs, and helping women to define and design the life of their dreams. Together, we talk about the power of travel, the benefits of exploring different aspects and areas of life, seeing people and cultures and seeing people in different ways, not just based on their status or how they live their lives and gaining greater understanding of different cultures and places and the wisdom you gain through travel. So take a listen and enjoy. Hi, Kim. Welcome to the Women Waken podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Kim, I had such a great time chatting with you on your podcast, the Design Her Travel podcast. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So the Design Her Travel podcast is a podcast that is about designing the life of your dreams and incorporating more travel or having travel as a centerpiece in that dream. So I interview people that have really crafted a life that is uniquely theirs. And some of those are remote workers. Some of those are families that have traveled the world. There are a myriad of ways that people incorporate travel as part of a key component in their dream life. And so that's really the mission of Design Her Travel is to show people how they too can create the life of their dreams and incorporate travel in whatever facet that they desire. And that's why I love it. It's such a fantastic focus on really learning to and embracing incorporating travel in your life. Because I think, unfortunately, a lot of people don't. You know, as somebody who travels a lot myself and you as well, I'm sure you hear, you have people tell you, wow, I wish I could do that. I wish I could travel more, see more places, yet I don't know how I could ever make that happen. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one of the things, you know, people don't realize how accessible it is or all of the ways that you can incorporate travel instead of I feel like some people always think it's going to be this large grand trip overseas or, you know, they, they, it seems intimidating. And I know even for myself, there were times when, you know, I would have, um, I used to work in the private yacht industry. And so in between seasons, when I would have time off, I could go anywhere in the world and do anything and that's overwhelming. And so I feel like people kind of feel like travel can be overwhelming or they think it has to be really expensive and neither one of those are are really true. 
Definitely. Definitely. There's, there's so many ways to find affordable deals, affordable access to travel and exploration. So Kim, why don't you take us back to when you first got the travel bug, the travel inspiration? When did you first, was there a first trip that you took? Could have been in your youth or maybe later on in life, your first solo trip. But when did you really get this love for travel? I think I've always had a love for adventure and exploring new things. I was the kid that went to every slumber party that participated in every club, went on every excursion or field trip. I loved those things. And then in high school, I was fortunate enough to win through the FFA, which at the time stood for Future Farmers of America. I won a trip um, to Washington, D.C., and then the next year I won a trip to Boulder, Colorado, and I got to travel with a group of my peers to these places. And I remember the first time I saw the Rocky Mountains, I was just blown away. And then, but I think the, the trip that really solidified, you know, I knew I liked it up until at that point, but I didn't, it hadn't been like an important part consciously to me until I took a spring break trip in university and a group of probably 15 of us maybe drove from the town and that we went to university in, in Indiana to the Havasu Canyon in Arizona. And we backpacked into the Canyon and spent a week there and then, you know, hiked out. And that trip blew my mind. That was, to me, that felt like the first true travel experience. And I knew I wanted more of that in my life. And that was the the trip that really made me realize, wow, there is a lot of amazing places to see in the world. And I want to do more of that. And then you talk about traveling the world by sea, and you just spoke a bit about you, you lived on a yacht, you worked on yachts, and that would enable you access to explore anywhere you wanted. Did that come post-grad? Was that after this inspiration of doing this travel? And did you realize, I want to live my life and make a living traveling? Uh, there were quite a few steps that got to that point. Um, the first time, so I grew up in, in the Midwestern part of the U.S. I grew up in a very rural farming community. and as a family, we our our holidays would be camping or we went to some theme parks or, you know, we went to the state fair. You know, they were they weren't these these massive holiday vacations, but we did take some trips. When I was in middle school, we went to Florida and drove down the East Coast and back up the West Coast in like a week. I mean, it was like, or something very short. So it was just in the car, a lot of driving, but it was the first time I had seen the ocean. And you know, which is wild uh, to think back now, because after university, I was dating someone who chose to go to grad school in Hawaii. And so we went together and I was so naive. I didn't really have any I knew nothing about Hawaii other than everybody wanted to go there. And in my mind, I thought green and rainbows. Like that's all I thought. Those were, those are my thoughts. I was like, Oh, cool. I like rainbows. This looks like it's going to be pretty nice. Let's go. Well, little did I know that I would fall in love with the ocean. Like the Pacific ocean is still the place where it makes my soul the happiest. And so I started racing outrigger canoes, um, as, as like a club sport. And my first open ocean crossing was, 
I competed in the world championship long distance outrigger canoe race, and we paddled a six man outrigger canoe from Molokai to Oahu. So across the Kaivi channel. And it was amazing. It was like one of the best things I've ever done. And so I have pretty much been on boats ever since life took me in a little bit of a journey where I ended up, um, I have a, a son who was living with his dad. And so it was time for me to earn like, you know, real adult income. And so all of my years of traveling the world by sea, uh, doing yacht deliveries, mostly working for room and board on, on different vessels around the world in Australia and Southeast Asia, doing all of these things on boats that led me to the yachting industry years later. And so I had like a 10 year career in the yachting industry where I traveled the world and, and went wherever the vessel that I was working on at that time went. So it was kind of a long journey of step-by-step, but always traveling the world by sea. Wow. That is so amazing. What a dream come true. That's definitely a dream of mine. I would love to spend more time traveling on the, on the seas and going from one country, one continent to the next. What yeah. sort of work did you do? Uh, were you just sort of, was it, you know, like cooking, housekeeping? Like, what did you do on these vessels? Uh, well, I started out, uh, when I, ver- when I began the journey, I, um, work, I did some yacht deliveries, which means you just, you're doing watch and you, everybody kind of pitches in and, you know, there's different, there's in, in yachting or in working in on vessels and any in any means, there's a, a wide array of possibilities. So I spent probably six or seven months with a family. We sailed from Australia throughout Southeast Asia. And so my job there was basically to keep watch. And so they, my watch was from two to five in the morning and two to five in the evening. And so they covered my room and board and I just participated in watches when we were underway. And then I worked as a, uh, outdoor tour guide and I took people snorkeling and whale watching. So I was the deckhand whale watching snorkeling guide, like all of those things. And then I got into yachting and I managed the interior of the vessel and yachting tends to have more of like a specific role. Like there's deckhands, there's stewardesses, there's chief stewardesses, there's chefs, there's engineers, there's first mates, you know, there's a, there's a chain of command in yachting. And I basically managed the interior and then eventually I managed the money. And so that was what I took care of. And so that means you're making sure that all of the dinners get served, that the, the table tables are set, you know, with the silver service or whatever level of service are in those vessels that the rotation of the crew is working throughout the day that the owners and guests have everything that they need. There's communication between the, um, deck crew and the interior, you know, all of their plans. Sometimes you work as a PA for the guests themselves. Now you arrange tours or cars or private air travel. Like there's a lot, you wear a lot of hats when you're managing the interior of a private yacht, which is the thing that I really loved about it. What were your other favorite things about that lifestyle? And and how long did you do it? Was it several years that you were doing? This? Yeah, I had a, I had a full career. Like I worked uh, probably at least 10 years in the, in the private yacht industry. Um, it's a little, I, when I started, it was a little less known. I think below decks kind of helped bring that into the, uh, worldwide view. A lot of people know that show now, so that that's their, um, sort of exposure to it. But, um, 
What was the the question? <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> it was what what were some of your favorite things oh, about yes. this lifestyle for the 10 years that you did it? So some of my favorite things were having access to the world's 1%, the living and working and spending time with every single day, the world's wealthiest people. I found that a fascinating in to the world of abundance. I loved seeing how people manage their business. I love seeing how they shared or hoarded their wealth. I loved seeing how they treated their employees. I loved to see how they entertained guests and what their values were. And I, and I loved learning just how many people a person in that level of wealth can employ for their day-to-day life. You know, when you live a busy life like that, you you're employing a lot of people to manage your day-to-day things. So I thought that was an amazing gift was to be able to spend time with people that are some of the most successful in a myriad of ways. And I getting to, you know, rock up into some of the bougiest ports in the, in the planet. That's also very cool. Uh, a perk that was one of my favorites is the fact that you have a private chef that makes your lunch and dinner every single day. And so a lot of these chefs have worked in Michelin star restaurants or are some of the best chefs in the world and they're making your food every day. And so the, the food and the wine that I experienced and I had wine training and it was just a level of, I don't want to say extravagance because that's not, not it, but there's a level of enjoyment and a level of richness that was so beautiful to live in. Okay. So then this is very different than what I was picturing in my head. Cause this doesn't sound like a typical cruise ship or like a day yacht mm-hmm. trip that I, you know, I would do if I go snorkeling in Hawaii, you were on, so you were on private yachts. Yes, I was on private yachts. So this is not a cruise ship. This is nowhere near a cruise. Look, if you were to look at it, it would be like a cruise ship would be Walmart and a private yacht would be let's see, uh, Gucci, right. You know, like that's, uh, Dolce and Gabbana mm-hmm. would be the Royal family, you know, like it would be like, those are the levels. So, um, yes, no, I mean, there, I've been in yachts where there was wallpaper made of like stingray or manta ray skin, something like that. You know, you have gold sinks, you have, you know, like you have original Picassos, like you have, you know, like there are, it's, um, it's unbelievable that level of wealth and what you get to experience in it. My goodness. And did you actually get to meet the owners? I was the one that man, I, yeah, I mean, I was the one that was the go between for the owner. I was the point of contact. So, uh, yeah. So I would speak with the owner's private staff in their homes or their personal assistants or their, you know, their, their private jet pilots, any of those things. Like I was the, I was the face for the owners the majority of the time when they were on the vessel. And of course there's like rotations and, and those things, but I was the point of contact for those. So yeah, every day I was with those people and making sure they had what they needed. And on the whole, did you have a positive experience with them? Did you find them to be friendly and kind or were some of them 
entitled? Were they what we might imagine somebody with that much wealth to be like? Well, actually, it that's the thing that I found extremely interesting. It didn't really matter how you can find people that are jerks that are poor. You can find people that are kind that are poor. And it's the exact same thing in the, in wealth, you know, in, in the 1%, some people are naturally kind of an asshole. Some people are naturally extremely giving. And so you see all of that over time. I learned the nationalities that I enjoyed working for being a Western woman. There are, you know, nationalities that didn't really suit my lifestyle. So I didn't enjoy working for them. I didn't enjoy working for people where I felt like a commodity or, you know, like I was owned, I was property. And so I chose not to work for vessels like that. You can, everybody has a place in yachting that they, they enjoyed. And so over time, you get to be a lot more picky about who you work for, how much the owner uses the vessel, what do they do when they're on a vessel, you know, just like anything else. I was there to be inspired by the people I worked for and to learn from them and to be in an environment that I wanted to be in every single day. So I chose to work for people that I enjoyed who they were as an individual. Makes sense. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What it is a fascinating view. Most of us don't get to see that side of things. And it it brings to mind, I feel like it's a somewhat related question. But so I was having this conversation with a friend lately where I was, well, it was actually one of the Airbnbs where I was staying in my travels. Right now I'm doing a big nomadic trip throughout the uh well, basically across the country from Oregon all the way up into Canada and over into the northeast now. And I stayed with somebody in Canada. And we were talking and they said, well, you know, so you work while you travel. And I said, yeah, but when I'm traveling, I make less money. And they said, well, you know, money's not everything. And I said, yeah, I, at this point in my life, I'd rather just have as as much as I need to finance my adventures. And that's my priority. What are your feelings about that personally as someone who loves to travel, but also after seeing that much wealth, do you feel a drive to like, do you think that these people are happy and that it's an advantage to have access to everything they do? Or do you, cause some people will say that there's almost like a sweet spot that too much money is like just such a strange experience and such a strange, the, the accessibility you have to everything really kind of changes your life. And like you said, you, you start having a staff of people cause you're in charge of so much. Anyways, I'm just curious about your take on that. If that, yeah, I think there's a lot of elements that I could, that, that, that question sort of brings up. The first thing is it, it reminds me of the quote, mother Teresa said, it takes a checkbook to change the world. You have to have money in the, in this particular 3d realm that we live in money, money is important. Money buys freedom. Money gives you access. I think that for me, the thing that I probably didn't understand about that caliber of wealth, you know, you always hear the 1%, the 1%, and there's almost like a negativity bias against wealthy people. However, it's hardly, it's less often do you hear someone say, I don't want any money, you know, like at most of the time it's, I, I, I want more money. I need more money. I want to do this. I don't have the money, you know, but yet we look at people that are wealthy and people think they're terrible individuals because they're wealthy. 
well, it kind of goes back to what I said earlier. You could be awful and not have any money, or you could be awful and have money. The thing I didn't really understand was at that caliber of wealth, the responsibility of having that amount of wealth is huge. And people want something from you all the time. So you really, as people are expanding their capacity to hold that wealth, expanding their capacity for what their wealth is, surrounding themselves with true friends, true people, not surrounding themselves with yes men, but surrounding themselves with people that can say, hey, and also surrounding themselves with people that can also participate and understand what they're going through in life. You know, they need other people that are relatable. You need, you need the mirrors, you know? So that's why sometimes, you know, you're like wealthy people hang out with wealthy people. Well, yeah, it's because they can relate. They understand what is it like to have a staff? What is it like to, you know, to have people that want things from you all the time? What is it like to have people always asking you to donate, to give, to do this, you know? So I think that for me, the money didn't have anything to do with how they were as a person, nothing, you know, it, it, it's, it had nothing to do with who they were as an individual, nor did it contribute to their happiness. Some were happy with a bunch of money and some weren't happy with a bunch of money. So it has happiness as an inside job. And that's something that being in that field really solidified was the fact that you can have all of the material things in the world that you want and not necessarily be happy. He's an amazing man. He was, he didn't carry a Blackberry. At the time it would have been a Blackberry. He didn't carry a cell phone. He didn't check his email. He woke up every day and said, good morning world. And he surrounded himself with people that were genuine and true. And he was genuinely happy in life. And he was one of the first guests that I got to see and and have on board and he sort of set the precedent for great success in the financial realm and great success as far as being happy in life no matter what and so i feel like wealth doesn't determine any of those things any any more than you know if you have a bank account that's overdrawn determines if you're happy or appreciative in life Yes. Thank you so much for sharing that insight. Cause again, so, so then here's the thing that you spoke of. I think those of us who have never been around that kind of wealth make assumptions and we just say, Oh, those selfish, greedy billionaires and they're terrible people. And, but the question is, is that true? And, you know, it, 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 like you said, it doesn't necessarily define who we are because of what we've gained. And most people not all, I would say that some people get to that amount of money through not so ethical means, not, not everybody, but I think a lot of people find great wealth when they're able to push forward in certain positions where other people would say, no, I don't want to, I don't want to have to compromise that or do this. So different people find their way to wealth through different means, but either way there's, it's, it's mixed, right? There's no blanket statement around how people are, what they're like. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I worked for a family who's they 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 were basically the epitome of the American dream. And he he's passed away in the last few years, but they were his book is literally titled 
titled From Rags to Riches. And his parents started out as circus performers during the Depression. I think his mom broke her leg during one of those stand-up horse things that they tricks that they would do. Basically, they ended up laundering these rags on the Ohio River and trading that, selling them and trading them to garages and shops. And then they would take the clean rags to them. They would pick them up. They would launder them. They would, you know, they started laundering cloths. Well, they have now built an empire and it's amazing. And they're one of the kindest families I have ever met in my entire life, you know? So I think probably the biggest lesson for me in all of that was there were, there were two things that really surprised me. And one was, like I mentioned, your level of wealth doesn't determine your happiness. And the other thing is the private staff and the people that support these individual lives or the, or the support these people, they make really good money. So they're paid really well to take care of these individuals. And so it's not like a lot of them. And I obviously that can't speak for everyone because there are people that want to pay nothing for their, you know, you get what you pay for in that. But there are a lot of people that are loyal to the families that they work for. They work for them for their entire careers and they're paid really well to do that. And if that's the case, then it can't be a terrible thing. <laughs> you know, like people aren't going to spend, well, I can't say that people do do their, spend their entire lives doing things they don't like sometimes, but you know, it, it just opened me up to, it shot down a lot of the stereotypes that I probably had before that, I guess is really what it is. It, it allowed me to see that it's nothing that I thought it was. And so that's, I find comfort in that, you know? So when I hear sort of the, the stereotypical talk about those, you know, I, I quote, there's air quotes, those people are the wealthy. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's not my experience. You know, that's, they're, they're people just like us, I guess is the biggest takeaway. Yeah. And often people who had either a really innovative idea or who, who went the extra mile, who saw their shot and took it in terms of hard work and innovation and, mm. you know, doing what it took to make things happen. I think that's the biggest crux. When I think about successful people, and I heard this once, it's not so much about talent. It's about grit. When you're mm. willing to actually push through and do the, what it takes to make something happen. Cause almost anyone can do it. We just, a lot of us don't because it takes that continuous hard work that not everybody wants to do. So it is an interesting thing where we are and that we, you know, we have these con concepts around people who are wealthy, but also the problem that I wanted to explore with that is that people also fe feel so detached from people, from the wealthy people that they, they think that that's what they want, right? They're like, cause as you mm -hmm. said, it's like, well, I'll be happy. I, I would be so happy. I'd be so life would be perfect if I just had that. And again, mm -hmm. just, as you said, it's not to say that there aren't super wealthy people who aren't very happy and at peace. It's a choice, but the issue I see, and, and it's a big part of this show, right? This ties in sort of the central tenets of women awaken is why, why do we live the way we live on this planet? Why are we always pushing for more and thinking that certain things are the answer to happiness and to self-acceptance and self-love? And I think that so many people just live to pursue wealth and success because mm. they do think that that's the key. That's the one thing that will guarantee them happiness. However, time and again, you can see that that's not 
the answer that if you're not happy without it, you most likely won't be very happy with it. You might have more comfort in terms of what you're able to have and do yet inside. It's no guarantee. Yes, absolutely. And I listened to, I think her name is Jamie Kerr or Kern Lima. She had a, um, she used to be a waitress at Denny's and then she had eczema and created a makeup line and nobody wanted to support her because she didn't look like a supermodel. She was a little curvier. They're like, you have bad skin. You're not in the, sorry, it's good product, but you're not really the face that'll sell. So she had grit and she went to QVC and they're like, look, you're going to have to have so many units to even be on here. Who are you going to hire to model it? And she was like, I'm going to do it. My customers are me. And they were like, yeah, good luck. But they gave her a spot. She sold out in like seconds. Like it was record time. Like it was insane. Fast forward a handful of years, she sold her company for $1.2 billion. She said yesterday when I heard her speak, even after all of her success, even after earning her way at the biggest tables that she could have ever imagined, tables that she couldn't imagine herself at, she was had lunch with Oprah. Oprah gave her her phone number and said, call me, stay in touch, let's do this. And she was just like, yeah, that was awesome and amazing. She said it took her four years to call Oprah back, four years. And she thought it was because, oh, I just don't have enough time or, oh, I just don't this or don't that. She said, no, what she realized that she had all the self-confidence in the world, but she didn't have self-worth and she didn't love herself. And so she had accomplished more than she ever thought she could. And she realized she didn't have the worthiness within her. And so that became her path because she, like so many of us, and like you said, think it's an outside. We source our happiness from something outside. When the reality is, if we can't find happiness being completely poor as dirt, we're not going to find happiness being as wealthy as possibly imaginable. So it's very, very true. You know, it, it's happiness is an inside job. We're the only thing that we take with us everywhere is ourself. So we're the one responsible for how we feel. We're the one responsible for our outlook and we're the one responsible for creating and being our joy. Completely. And that kind of brings us back into the idea of travel, because I, I will say it's, it's an interesting balance with that as well, is that some people move around and travel because they think that happiness lies somewhere else than where they are, right? Okay, well, if I could, you know, live abroad, or if I could travel half the year, then I would be happy, then I could get away from everything that brings me down. And it's not to say that some people have it set up where they work you know, a standard employed job and that they work that job to finance their life and they find happiness within it. But their greatest joy is the times where they get to travel and they get to go seek out all the things that they love to do. But that's balanced, right? You don't have unrealistic expectations. And I think some people with travel, they think that it's, it's an answer, right? Mm -hmm. Or even just like people who move around a lot, you know, I've moved around a lot in my life. And when I did it in my twenties, it was because I, I wanted a quick fix, right? Mm -hmm. I would leave town and I, I would think I was like, I just want to go try new things and, and have new experiences. And I did, but also it was like, and then I don't have to bring all my shit with me. I'll be, mm -hmm. you know, a different person and people won't know me and I can start again. But lo and behold, I carried myself right with me and <laughs> had the yeah. same problems and 
the same things. And now it's different because I've done so much work now. And obviously I became a therapist. And so I focus a lot on healing and self-love and acceptance. And I'm by no means perfect or fully achieved that yet I've come a long way. And so it's very different in that I just travel to me just like is it brings, it's my greatest experience of curiosity and joy. It's this childlike wonder of like, oh my gosh, what's this? What's this town like? Right now I'm in Rhode Island. My first time here, I've never been here. And it's like, what's up with Rhode Island? Like, what are the <laughs> nuances? What does it feel like? Because every place has a different feel. It's fascinating. So for me now, travel is like where I tap into my inner child, right? The part of me that loves to discover new things, to have novelty, to have excitement, all of that. So I just offer that because it it is interesting the reason, the different reasons that people do things. And just like how people can be rich and perfectly nice or pretty awful, people can travel for different reasons and have different expectations. And I think having realistic expectations is important. Like, what, okay, so what we asked about your favorite things, what were some of your greatest challenges in having that lifestyle on the yacht? And when you were traveling, because also you've been to 40 different countries, maybe it's more now that's yeah, somewhere around there. I'm not, I'm not very good at keeping track, but somewhere around there. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, for me, the most challenging parts were never having a say in my day-to-day life, never having a say where I was going to be, what country we were going to be in, what my schedule would be. You know, if the owners wanted to use the vessel, then you were on duty, you know, like 24 seven, you had rest and and those things, but you were on duty until they left. Uh, If they weren't on, then it was more of like a nine to five kind of job, but you never knew where you were going to be, which it's interesting because, you know, freedom is the most important thing for me. Like, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. I need to know that I'm free and feel free in that. And so I loved the freedom of travel, but then I chose a profession where I didn't have a say in where I was going to be most of the time, but because I still got to feed my soul with the adventure, it kind of kept that balance. Like you were talking about the freedom and the adventure and the, you know, the lack of say and and the adventure. And so that could be quite challenging at times when you, you know, after the season and you were tired and you'd been working on on for like all of these months and you were just ready for a break. Those were the times when you're like, I would just really like to be able to have a say in where I'm at right now. So that was challenging. And I think for anyone that, you know, might be interested in the private yacht industry, something to consider also is that you not only work with the crew that you're working with, and that number could be anywhere from four or five to 20 something people, depending on the size of the vessel, but you're living working and playing with those same individuals all the time. So that is a whole different beast. (laughs) You know, like you're working with these people, you become friends with them because you're living together. You're sharing rooms with some of them. You're eating your meals together. Like imagine if you were in your corporate world and all of you sat down to eat at the same time every day, you know, like, can you imagine living and working? And then you have time off. Well, you're in some isolated area possibly. So who are you going to hang out with? the people you also live and work with. So it that can be quite challenging. So I think in all reality, those were the hardest things. And eventually the lack of say, and, you know, like missing weddings or holidays, like working holidays. And, and even though, you know, you might 
have a, a beautiful meal and, and have a celebration with your crew. It's still, you know, when you're, you're working for someone else is there with their family, enjoying their holiday and you're not with yours. Those moments are the things that, that really started, started to, to weigh me down in the end. And when did you leave that life behind? When did you move on to a different lifestyle? I left, uh, probably five, ooh, actually probably five or six, at least six years ago. Uh, and I left, actually, we had a change, uh, sort of the change of the guard with my son. So my son had lived with his dad and then he came to live with me. And so I left my yachting career and came back to live in the Midwest where my family was from, which I had not lived in since I was 18 years old. So it was a pretty wild, um, a wild transition from a global citizen into the world where I was raised, I was like, wow, this is like whiplash. I think I'm still like in the whiplash. It still hasn't really settled, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so that's when I made the decision when it was, when I got the chance to, uh, to be the sole caregiver for my son. So that made the decision. And how do you get your travel fix now? How do you engage in travel in this, in this chapter of your life? Yeah, right now I've been doing a lot of road trips. Um, I am building an online business. I'm working next year. I'm going to start hosting some global trips um, with the Design Her Travel. So I'm going to start hosting some group trips. And so I'm ready to incorporate more international travel. I've been mostly in the United States over the last few years. I've done a few trips overseas, but um, a lot of road trips, a lot of exploring places in the the Midwest that I just ha haven't been. Um, so it's been some, some U S centric travel, which I hadn't done since I was in university really. So, um, it's been, it's been lovely for that regard. It's really remarkable, remarkable to me, just how many gems and different places to explore in this country alone, in any single state alone. Yeah. I lived in Bend, Oregon, most of this past year, and I could not believe how many spots there were to go see in that state. There's waterfalls, there's hot springs, there's rivers, there's lakes, there's mountains, there's the coast. It was what well, I could have kept going <laughs> and I could yeah. have still not seen it all. And that's how most places, obviously some states are a little more, you know, so, sort of bland than others. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like I that. Yeah. Names, but a lot of them are really rich in what you can find. And, and that's what I encourage people. And I've talked about this on the show is that you don't have to fly to another country to have an adventure, to travel. You don't have to live on a yacht you can go to like the next town over. You can find mm -hmm. like a cute little place that you've never really seen and just go see what's up there. Go explore it. Yeah, absolutely. And my favorite things when I'm traveling, you know, I, it's always about the people and the, the people and the food. Like those are the things that, that really I love. And so I search out like, uh, local food or local cuisine or, or like how the food grows and, and those things. And so that's really easy to do wherever you are like, okay, find a farm to table restaurant, like, you know, find, find whatever the local thing is. Like there's a place nearby here that has, they're known for their white pie, you know, so go try that thing, you know, like go, go try those things that are locally or local. And, and then one thing I like about the States and especially in the Midwest People, to be honest, this is the thing that I've found around the world. People are inherently kind. Like that's, that's the truth. The humans are kind. We really are face to face. We're kind to one another. And so I love that. So 
I love like striking up a conversation at a, the convenience store or, try, try, you know, striking up a conversation with a little old lady at the local restaurant that you're at, you know, like I, so meet people because when you're traveling, you're, you're trying new things, trying new food and learning and, and meeting new people. So you can do that wherever you are. And I think it's really important to like, get that fixed, like get out of your comfort zone. It's really easy when you live somewhere to sort of get in your comfort zone, hang out with your friends, go to your favorite places, you know, but if you need that newness and that exploration and that adventure in life, then just do something a little bit different this week. Just a little different. And they say that more and more now, you know, there's so much talk about Alzheimer's research and dementia research. And one of the greatest things you can do is to do things differently, to create new pathways in your brain, to really challenge your brain, to not just have these ruts that are created. And it can happen even from, they say, you know, taking a different route to work and Mm -hmm. doing a crossword puzzle a day or just doing things a little differently. So you, you can imagine the difference when you actually go to a new environment and see things differently and try different foods and explore different locations. It's novelty is a very powerful tool for keeping our brains sharp. Yeah, it's new. I mean, think about when you're a kid, every you're, you're a sponge, you're absorbing everything. Everything everything is new. And as we have more experiences throughout our lives, sometimes we have to go a little further to find that newness. But you know, it might be taking a dance class at a local whatever, you know, like any of those things. And you feel that's why you for me, I feel like I come away from it invigorated and I, you know, my vitality is restored and I feel like, yes, life is good. You know, life's not made to be boring and dull and go to work and come home and watch your Netflix and eat your pizza and do your crap that you do every week. That's not what we are here for. We're here for, to experience life. And so why not get out there and try as many things as possible? Completely, completely. And it also, you know, it keeps depression at bay. That Mm -hmm. sort of adventure keeps the spirit alive, right? Like I was saying, like when I travel around every place I go, I'm like, ooh, ooh, what's this? What's this like? What? This is new. This is different. This is interesting. And so it really kind of keeps your spirit engaged and excited. And we are meant to be excited about life. That's another big theme of my show. And the idea of Women Waken is that life is meant to be a joyful experience. And unfortunately, we've created so many rules and structures around the way that we live our lives that a lot of it is almost robotic. It's so monotonous. And when life is monotonous, you can't help but start to feel, okay, here we go again, the same day, the same thing. And there's always joy to be found in everything, right? From the little, you can walk outside and see the sun and take a little bit of joy from that. But if you get too caught up in feeling like it's all just the same, you start to lose the ability to gain joy from these things. So I think shaking it up, I think getting excited for things, anticipation, stimulation, new experiences are so imperative for people, especially as we get, get older and we, you know, are needing more to stimulate us and keep us active and engaged. Yeah. You know, and, and for me, it has not been an easy transition to go from being a global citizen to being someone who lives in one location. I struggled. I really like, I've had the hardest years I have ever had in my entire life in the last couple of years. And I have found that I have to be intentional about, I'm like, if I wake up and I go, if I ever find myself being like, Oh, another day, I am like, Nope. All right. Time to start the day with a dance party time to start the day. Like the time I think, you know, when we talked about it earlier, you know, we, I know there were times in my life I traveled to escape. 
I wasn't aware that I did that, but I, it was fun and I was in the moment and all of those things. But, you know, sometimes you do have to stop in order to be able to sort of take stock with what's going on. And that these last few years have really been like, okay, let's take stock. What am I carrying into this next segment of my life. And I'm in charge of how I, my perception of the day, I'm in charge of my perception of the world. And so if I'm feeling down that day, then I'm going to start it with a dance party. I'm going to shake it off. I'm going to like recreate who I am in that moment, find something to be grateful for and start because it's really easy to get stuck in a rut if you, you know, are in the same place. So I, I feel for people that are like, yeah, but my day is the same. Yeah, totally. Get it. 100%. Take a new route to work. Start your day with a dance party. Say thank you for this wonderful cup of coffee before you drink it. Like those tiny little things. It's amazing how much it can shift your perception and bring joy. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And it is little things like that, right? I remember working with a client once who, you know, and it's kind of like we say, we were saying, sometimes you think certain things are going to make you happy. This person had just wanted to get into law school and become a lawyer. They thought that will, you know, I'll have the notoriety. I'll have the prestige. I'll, that's what my parents have encouraged me to do. It'll be everything I needed. And they were miserable. They were mm. so unhappy. And granted, they weren't a lawyer yet. They hadn't passed the bar. They were doing more clerical work but they were recognizing quickly. I don't know if this is what I like, but they were unwilling to let it go yet. So I said, okay, if you're not willing to step aside and try something different, if you feel like you need to finish this path, we need to help you find joy in every day because you're sinking, you know, mm -hmm. and we do sink sometimes. And so I said exactly that. I said, well, what makes you happy? Well, I like my coffee in the morning. And I said, well, then embrace that. Let that be a focal point of cherishing that and noticing it brings you joy, the flavor, the scent, the feeling you get when you drink it. Because sometimes we we have to do the best we can. Because I will say that, you know, travel is a privilege, right? Mm -hmm. Being able to travel and not everybody has the extensive ability to travel. So we do want to find cherished moments in each day, however our day might look and however our travel might be. But as I said, you know, travel can be going to a park you haven't explored that's like two towns yeah. over. Yeah, totally. And it's like right now it's, you know, the fall. And so take a road trip, go enjoy the beauty of mother nature and the, the beautiful landscape that's around and the changing colors, you know, like it's, but I think for me, the realization was living with intention, you know, like I, I am choosing to love every day of my life. Does that mean there are, I don't, you know, there are still things that suck. There are still moments where I'm like, this is really, this, this sucks, but I'm not in that for long. You know, like I allow myself the grace of having that moment. And if it makes me angry, being angry, like whatever it is that comes up, you know, we're all human. Those things are going to come up whatever you're doing. So I allow myself to have those moments, to feel those moments. And I'm like, all right, you know what I need right now? What I need is to like, move through this. And so I'll go for a walk or I'll step outside, or I will just take a moment to really stop and listen to the birds, watch the leaves blow, look at the water, you know, like take in the wildlife and be like, Oh, okay. This is, I'm just a tiny little speck here on this planet. Like I'm not put here to suffer. You know, I'm really not put here to suffer. Nothing is put on this planet to suffer. So what can I do right now to make it just a tiny bit better? And so I'll say thank you for something that's around me. And then it, that's like a magic little shift. I'm like, oh, okay. I can move through this now.
I like that. A magic little shift because that's how it feels. It's like, oh, okay, I'm back into that space of appreciation, yeah. of gratitude, of feeling that that peace and joy through what we're doing just in that moment. Yeah, because you know, there there were a lot of times it's easy for me sometimes when I'm in that moment, it, it was easy for me to future cast or look backwards and that doesn't really help. So the the practice for me has been coming back into that present moment. And when I can come back into the present moment, I can be like, yeah, did it suck that that person just like cut me off in traffic or whatever it is? Yeah, that that was not great, whatever. And then be like, okay, but that's really not that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things, you know? So, okay, yeah. right now it's not that big of a deal. So cool. Next, yeah. you know? Well, Kim, thank you so much for sharing your perspectives and amazing insight in with the experience you've had and extensive travel. I have to ask of all the places you've been, what, if it's possible to say, what was one of your favorite places to explore and to visit and travel to? Oh, there's so many. It's, I, it's know. <laughs> uh, I know it's kind of like sometimes if I, you know, if, if someone were to ask me like my, some of my favorite things in the world are sunrises and especially sunsets in the Pacific ocean. Like that is one of my favorite things. And as far as countries for exploration, good food, good people, you know, just like kind of salt of the earth progression, I would say New Zealand. New Ze I lived in New Zealand for a year. It was absolutely wonderful. It's one of the most beautiful countries. Um, if you want some culture and some history and beautiful food and wine, then you know you can't go wrong with with the south of France. You know, it's there's there's. I know it's. I don't have one one favorite place, but those are some of my favorite things. That's so amazing that you've been experienced all these places. And I, I was able to go to New Zealand as well. I was studying in Australia when I was in college and that place just blew me away. Just so majestic and pristine and just, just really kind of humbled you. It's, it's majesty, mm -hmm. right? Everything is so yeah. big there, the mountains. And it's so, it feels almost otherworldly. Yeah, it is. Uh, Peter Jackson was was when he created Lord of the Rings there. It's just like it is the perfect place for that because it feels like you're in another world. It's so unbelievable. feels like you can get in parts of, of New Zealand that you can feel like no man's ever been there. You know, like it's just wild and rugged and beautiful and whole. It just it's it is majestic. That's a good word for it. It's lovely. It's so amazing. Okay. And then last question, another focus that you bring into your podcast is sort of asking people, how would they define and design their dream life? So for you, as time moves forward, and you're obviously growing and, and creating, imagining new experiences, you're going to develop these tours, these travel tours, which sound amazing. I want to hear about that. Cause I might, I, I, as well, just as you shared, have been doing predominantly local traveling, like in, in this country, but international travel will be calling to me at some point. So Kim, if you could design your dream life in the next five, 10, the rest of your life, what is it going to, what's it going to look like? Oh, that's a very long time to look forward. I think on a large scale, like high level is freedom to split my time between continents 
freedom to either bring my family to me or go to my family whenever desired or in need. Having strong community in each place that I decide to go and inspiring people and guiding them and showing them the world and being a living inspiration for their dreams. So guiding people in the ability to step into theirs. And so what does that look like on my day-to-day? I'm not really sure. Those are sort of the high levels. Making sure that each day is filled with happiness, that, that I'm surrounded by people that I love, that I get to fill my body with nutritious, healthy food, that I am strong and healthy and surrounded by family and friends. And anything other than that is uh, icing on the cake. Incredible. Incredible. And I am a big proponent that it's about, it's more important to become aware of the essence of what you want to feel and experience rather than being too attached to specifics, right? Because then you're really turning it over to the universe to say, okay, here's, I'm going to order these things on the menu, these feelings, this state of being, and you, you lead me to whatever it might look like. Yeah, absolutely. It's a practice of letting go of control. Yes. Which is so hard. And it's also a big part of travel, right? Because things sure do not go as planned. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And that's what's (laughs) fun about it, right? The excitement of not knowing what could happen each day and where it might take you. Yeah, that's the the beauty and and you know, yeah, that's the thing. I think that's probably one of the things travel was is it's a lesson of travel is you just have to go with the flow and you can't be pissed the whole time when you're like delayed or you're in an airport. And I used to rush through an airport. My son would always be like, Oh my god, you're always because I would be like tense and I think it's I was absorbing everyone else's energy and trying to get there and you know, and so now I'm just like, Oh yeah, let's just roll with it. The journey is as much fun as anything else. So let's just roll with it. And so I've gotten better on over some of those things, but you know, you got to laugh at the train delays or the, the jam with like 15 other people on the back of a tuk-tuk, you know, you're just like, okay, this is ridiculous and hysterical and I wouldn't change it for the world. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, Kim, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for being on the show. I look forward to hearing about what you, what you do soon in the near to long-term future. I'm sure it will be quite the beautiful adventure. Thank you. This has been a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. And Kim, if people want to find you, if they want to check out your website, your podcast, be on the loop uh, to know about your future travel experiences or the offerings you're going to have, how can they find you? Yeah, absolutely. So the podcast is called Design Her Travel. So you can find it anywhere you get your podcast. New episodes drop each Tuesday. You can find me on Instagram at Seafaring Wanderer. So that's S-E-A-F-A-R-I-N-G-W-A-N-D-E-R-E-R. And I have a website that I you can link in the show notes. It's kind of in the process of uh, construction at the moment. But by the time it drops, um, I'll give you the link. Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you again, Kim, so much. Lovely to have you. you. Yeah. Bye. That wraps up our episode for today. Thank you so much for listening to Women Waken. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others and come back for more. If you'd like to connect with the Women Waken community, you can find us on Instagram at Women Waken. And if you follow Women Waken, you can get a free tarot card reading if you just send 
a DM. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and don't forget to let your unique light shine into this world.